Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we take a look at February weather and a look ahead to weather for spring seeding. February was cold and dry, but the spring outlook is mild and dry. We have a feature interview on a group of national farm organizations joining forces to avoid harm from the rising federal carbon tax. Real Agriculture takes a look at crop research. We have more discussion on efforts to provide relief to farmers from the carbon tax on natural gas and propane for heating barns and drying crops. And efforts to ensure the Port of Montreal does not shut down. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. February in southern Saskatchewan goes in the record books as very cold and dry. Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang says Regina was more than 7 degrees colder than the normal of minus 11.7 degrees. If we start out with February, because I think that's our most recent in our mind, I think if you asked anybody on the street, they'd say, oh, that was a pretty cold month. And uh, that was how it came out. It was uh, cold across the board. Many stations, you know, recording at least in the top 20 of uh, the coldest Februarys on record. And with the cold weather, we often see the same stat that it was really dry um, because it's hard to get a lot of precipitation out of that really dry Arctic air because it just it doesn't have the ability to generate big snowfall. So we came up with a pretty dry February as well. Some uh, well, a number of stations coming in the top ten for uh, driest Februarys. So looking at let's start off with the temperature and then get into the dryness. I see Regina, for example, is seven degrees colder than normal. That's right. That only came in the sort of the 18th coldest, but they have a longer period of record. So one of the some of the ones that might rank a little bit higher have probably shorter periods of records because it certainly was cold. But one thing that was notable about that cold snap is that we didn't break a lot of temperature records. There were a few here and there smattering, uh, and most of the records that were broken were actually uh afternoon high records, sort of the the coldest afternoon highs, and not a lot of all-time overnight low records. So it it was cold and it was long, but it it wasn't all that significant, you know, in the overall scheme of things. And for dryness, I see Regina only had 17% of the normal precipitation in February. Very, very dry. And it was dry across the board, and it's going into a number of consecutive months when it's been pretty dry, particularly in the southeast has, has really been dry. So that's, you know, we're starting to get into spring and that's when we really want to see some precipitation start coming so we have it in the bank for the agricultural folks. 
looking at the winter so far. I see the temperature, though, for Regina is not much different from normal. Well, if we remember correctly, of course, the uh, if we think about the, the the winter, December and January were actually quite nice. You know, towards the end of January, we kind of got a spurt of cold air, but it was actually quite mild those two months. And then February came, so once we sort of evened everything out, it kind of came out mostly sort of near average or maybe slightly above average for places. And precipitation-wise, winter-wise, I see really Regina had its ninth driest, but other cities, Saskatoon and Swift Current, the third driest on record. We had, what, just 40% of our normal precipitation this winter. That's right. It's been quite dry across, especially across southern Saskatchewan. So, you know, consecutive months with that dryness, you know, really, uh, like I said, it's concerning as we uh, go forward into the spring. So we had that one big storm in November and that seemed to be about it. That big windstorm that we had in January was mostly wind and not a lot of precipitation. What's the outlook this coming week? It looks like it's supposed to be what way above normal. Yeah, we have a really mild flow coming across most of Saskatchewan. The jet streams are now shifting well north, taking the, all the weather systems through northern Saskatchewan and putting us on the, the warm side of the, the jet, jet stream. So we're really going to see some mild temperatures. I think some of them might be a little bit optimistic because we still have a lot of snow cover. And it's hard to get really, really warm temperatures when there's still snow on the ground. But there are places in Saskatchewan that don't have much snow, so if we start to see those mild temperatures, especially if it stays mild in the overnight period and it's windy, we're going to see a lot of that snow disappear. And then we can get into those really mild temperatures. But we are keeping an eye on next week. Um, Looks like there might be a weather system moving through that might affect particularly the southeast and and bring a a snowmaker. But we're keeping an eye on it because with those types of systems, uh, they can shift north or south quite easily. And uh, you, you can go from expecting a lot of snow to not getting a lot. Yeah, can you give me a little bit of a longer range forecast now? What's the rest of March and into April when we start doing a bit of spring seeding? Well, March is forecast in the longer range to be uh, above average with respect to temperature, so warmer than average, but drier than average in the south, which isn't great news. And that's also the outlook for uh, the spring as well, so spring being March, April, May. But, of course, a lot of that can change. We'll see uh, what the uh, what Mother Nature has up her sleeve because, you know, these the longer-range forecasts are sort of, they're educated guessing, and, you know, a lot of things can change over that period of time. Terry Lang is a meteorologist with Environment Canada. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Ten national farm groups have joined forces to ensure federal policies recognize farm efforts to battle greenhouse gases. Farm groups have raised alarms about Ottawa's $170 per tonne carbon tax by the year 2030. Now national groups representing the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Grain Growers of Canada and the poultry industry have formed the Agriculture Carbon Alliance. Co-chair Dave Carey, Vice President of Government and Industry Relations with the Canola Council, explains the goals of the newly formed alliance. Well, I think, you know, uh, Jim, what we saw was uh, when the government returned after the speech from the throne from prorogation, they talked a lot about farmers' roles in climate change, very high level. Uh, And then right before the Christmas 2020, we saw that start to play out in public policy uh, around the increase of the price of carbon to $170 a ton, as well as 64 sub-bullets as far as other environmental uh, 
uh, announcements, uh, public policy positions, and consultations that farm groups could expect to see uh, in the near future. So you formed an organization. What are your key goals here? One would be to, uh, you know, I'd say there's three, Jim. One, mitigate the impact of carbon pricing at the farm gate to ensure that farmers' uh, global and domestic competitiveness uh, are safeguarded. Two, being rec- that farmers' uh, current and ranchers' current environmental and sustainable practices are recognized uh, for, for the good work that they do. And three would be to work collectively to be a stakeholder for Environment and Climate Change Canada and to make sure that we have a voice at the table and to understand that in with all the things that are happening w- w- with this federal government, that uh, are there areas to explore around best management practices, offsets, exemptions, rebates, retrofits at the farm gate level. A private member's bill last week passed second reading, allowing some support for farmers that use natural gas and propane, heating their barns or drying their crops. Do you feel it will pass, or will the Liberals put in their own rebate, which they seem to be talking about? Great question. Yeah, Bill C-206, it was great to see it referred to the House Standing Committee on Agriculture and Agri-Food. My organization, Canadian Canola Growers, did send a letter to every MP supporting it uh, moving to committee. We want to make sure that uh, that the bill is all encompassing and that it you know covers things like irrigation as well as grain drying uh, from from a canola perspective. So one of the the go forward plans or uh, for the Agriculture Carbon Alliance is to look at Bill C-206 from the perspective of all the national farm organizations around the table uh, and, and determine whether or not as a collective we can support it once it gets through the House Ag Committee and gets a third reading in the House of Commons. So I think it's something that regardless of whether or not it has the legs to go all the way, Jim, what it really does is show that there is multi-party support to ensure that farmers are not negatively impacted by the carbon uh, carbon pricing regime. And I think that is exemplified by the fact that you, it was a conservative private member's bill supported by the Bloc, the NDP, and the Green Party. So what is the key concern about this rising carbon tax and its impact on farming? Right now, we're, we're you know at CCJ and the other constituents of our of our alliance are each looking at the own, their own economic impact analysis. Wish I had it for you today, but if, uh, but as you can recognize the uh, the methodology, and uh, we need to make sure that we get it right. So we've contracted that work out to an accounting firm. But I think when you look at $170 a ton, you know we've seen some of the forecasts around you know price of the pump. Uh, is that we know that farmers will be disproportionately impacted as opposed to the average urban or suburban Canadian because. We need to use, farmers need, you know, gasoline, diesel, uh, natural gas, propane to be able to grow the crops and raise the animals, the livestock that feed Canadians uh, and and fuel our our exports. So we need to make sure that that they don't disproportionately feel that so it gets into their margins, that it gets into their competitiveness, their livelihoods, you know, their ability to pass their farm on to the next generation. So that's really the crux of what we're trying to do here. And who's all members of this alliance yeah, absolutely. So we, the, the alliance is, you know, again, we, we just formed publicly, to, but uh, at the time of writing, uh, the time of our discussion, the Canadian Canola Growers Association, Canadian Federation of Agriculture, Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Grain Growers of Canada, Canadian Pork Council, Egg Farmers of Canada, Chicken Farmers of Canada, Turkey Farmers of Canada, the Canadian Horticultural Council, and Canadian Hatching Egg Producers. So we're, you know, from uh, export-oriented to supply management. Dave Carey is the co-chair of the Agriculture Carbon Alliance, 
and Vice President of Government and Industry Relations with the Canola Council of Canada. The group includes 10 national farm organizations. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147. And I'm joined right now by Olds College student Daniel Steffner. Daniel, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. So, D- Daniel, tell us a little bit about your studies at Olds College. What, what are you working on right now? Yeah, you bet. So I'm a fourth year applied degree student of the agribusiness program here at Olds College. And uh, within the fourth year, it's a directed field study, meaning that it's a uh, work integrated learning placement. So that placement took place actually here at Olds College at the Olds College Center for Innovation. And uh, within my role as a research technician, I play a part in many of the different research projects going on specifically in the smart ag department including dot and weed it and a few other the center projects we have going on cool cool well tell us a bit about the dot project and how it's going i saw old college put out a blog post last week talking about uh, this past year's success um maybe we should start here though for some people that don't know what is dot yeah for sure dot is a fairly recently um released autonomous farm equipment platform. So there is no cab. It's just a, uh, a U-shaped power platform that hooks into different farm implements. Currently they have a cedar, a 30-foot cedar, a 120-foot Addison liquid sprayer, and a new leader spreader. And I should say the cedar is a, uh, a seed master. So yeah, it, it, uh, it's fully autonomous, no cab. It's run um, via a, a trucker with a remote control and you, you have to drive it to the field, uh, via the remote control. And then once you're in the field, you, uh, set up your field boundary, uh, select your mission and your speed path direction. It will set up a mission for you and you hit go. And essentially it just, it starts following its mission around the field, uh, performing the activity that you're doing. Um, for legal reasons, you have to constantly sit and observe and watch dot operate. You can't let it go and, and go off and do another task. So you, you do have to sit at the edge of the field and, and you do have to physically drive it on the road with the remote control. You can't autonomously drive it on the road. But it's, uh, we've had a very successful season uh, this year at Olds College for sure. So tell us about some of the things that the 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 dot did because the 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 old smart farm it, it it's not little plots the, these are like field scale practical research applications so tell us some of the work that you did and what some of the achievements were yeah that's right our we are completely full size field scale so this year we seeded over 126 acres with the dot we sprayed two uh sorry. We sprayed uh, just over 2,000 acres uh, with dot alone, and we used the spreader on 241 acres. So in one field of barley, it's 106 acres. We did all all the seeding and spraying missions for the season. 
Was there any was there any lessons learned this this past year as you think about 2021? Yeah, actually, there's there's lots of lessons learned, and that was the the basically the initial this initial year for 2020. That was that was our goal was just to collect some baseline data and and learn the capabilities and operational requirements of DOT. And some of those lessons that we learned is that um, going forward or for right now, anyways, it, it works best on land with with fewer obstacles and that's that's so that we can maintain a better line of sight during the entire operation so we know it's working we know it's doing its thing uh we we recognize the need for for a large team uh kind of what i just explained there like transporting dot to a field i mean we we had to drive it about uh two miles from from where we park it down to the field that we were primarily using it in and so you know you need a you need a guy driving the truck behind but you also need a guy uh, running the remote control, so that's not really a one-person job. So just recognizing some of the some of the operational requirements for our team and and different different tendering needs and and the the skill set to be able to operate the mission planning software and and GIS and ensuring that it's working properly. Uh, we we collected some great information regarding that. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, partly cloudy sky, light winds this afternoon, the high plus 3, the low minus 9. Clearing sky Wednesday... The wind's up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high plus 7 tomorrow. Wind chill minus 14 in the morning. The low minus 6. Thursday sunny. The high plus 9. The low minus 1. Friday even milder. Sunny with a high 12. The low 0. Saturday sunny and warmer. The high 14. The low minus 2. Sunday partly cloudy. The high 10. The low minus 5. Monday partly cloudy. The high plus 5. Normal high for this date, minus 4. The normal low, minus 15. The sun rose at 7.40 this morning. It sets at 6.41 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Maple Creek, again for the second day in a row at plus 7. And the cold spot, second day in a row, Stony Rapids at minus 22. Estevan is plus 2. Saskatoon, minus 5. Swift Current and Weyburn, plus 2. Yorkton is minus 2. Regina, cloudy and minus 2. That's 28 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north-northwest, 19, gusting to 33. Humidity, 83%. The barometer rising, 101.2. Partly cloudy, Moose Jaw, plus 2. Winds are from the northwest at 18. Once again, Regina, cloudy and minus 2. That's 28 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. 
The carbon tax has been front and center, especially after a Tory private member's bill on it passed second reading in the House of Commons last week. That bill calls for an exemption from the tax if natural gas and propane are used on farms, something farmers need to heat their barns and dry their crops in wet years. On the prairie, some farmers have already been paying thousands in the carbon tax, and it's not even close to hitting the $170 a tonne the Liberals have planned by the year 2030. But last week, the Tory bill was supported by the NDP, the Bloc, and even the Green Party. Only the Liberals opposed it, one Liberal did vote in favour. Reporter Cheryl Brooks spoke to Western Canadian wheat growers past President Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel for her thoughts on the carbon tax. I mean, the, the devil's always in the details, but at any time where we can get you know, elected officials interested in hearing our story, hearing what the carbon tax will do for farmers, to farmers, uh, is, is a huge win for us. So uh, the wheat growers especially, we're so grateful to have some support from you know, unbiased support across all the parties to, to just kind of let us know that they are interested in hearing what we have to say about the carbon tax and doing something about it. I mean, you guys have been kind of battling for this for a long time already. Were you also surprised about the fact that the, the Liberals, uh, the governing party, is actually looking at a possible rebate program for on-farm fuel use now? You know, I guess it, a mentor of mine the other day reminded me, especially about the carbon tax file, that we might be past the awareness phase, and we should be into the solution phase. So I was particularly guilty about screaming about the carbon tax, and you can't do this to us. This is a horrible thing. This is what's going to cost us. It's not going to work. The things you're so, you know. So it was all about don't do this. You you you're not understanding. And now I think you know he was right. It was Kim McConnell who who made the suggestion. He's right. We really need to come up with some solutions. What can we offer? The carbon tax is here. How are we going to get through this? How can farmers better share the actual on-farm solutions that we're doing today with the, with the governing party? It's going to be a real work in progress, but I, I hope that this is one step towards really explaining to the Liberal Party what this carbon tax is going to do and look for some ways for farmers to better participate. Has anybody that you've talked to at this point, have they come up with some ideas that sound pretty, you know, pretty legit, pretty concrete at this point? Well, uh, certainly we have to go around the exemption route. If, we, if we're going to lose the battle that the carbon tax is not the way to go, then how can we showcase that we should be exempt from certain ideas or concepts that have come through in regards to the carbon tax? You would recall, you know, a huge debate and discussion that we had about grain drying, for example. There's certain instances where farmers do not have an alternative. And so those are the kinds of things we're going to have to chip away and partake in to better share what this kind of broadcasted carbon tax will do and come up with some better solutions. So exemptions really at this point is what we're looking for. But at least at least we're taking a step in what seems to be the right direction now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much. I mean, <laughs> it was a shock. The, the $170 a metric ton was an absolute shocker. So I'm trying to just be as realistic as possible, not get my hopes up, but at the same time be very realistic about what about trying to come up with the solutions for this for this beast that we have as a carbon tax. That's Sherilyn Jolly Nagel from Mossbank, past president of the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on the Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Digman Industries. Look to Digelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by 
the REMAX Crown Realty Ag Team of Marcel DeCorby and Graham Toth, online at landforsalesask.ca. A huge loss for the livestock industry in southwestern Manitoba, the Pipestone Auction Mart was destroyed in a fire last night, but there are no reports of human or animal injuries. Pictures posted on social media show flames coming from some of the buildings and some of the pens as well. The cause is under investigation. Pulse Canada wants the federal government to be proactive in preventing a strike at the Port of Montreal later this month. A 10-day strike last summer ended with a tentative agreement on a seven-month truce, which is slated to end March 20th. Greg Northey is Vice President of Corporate Affairs with Pulse Canada. We are keenly aware that a strike that happened last August only ended because a truce was put in place, essentially, for the two parties to negotiate a contract. That truce ends March 20th, and negotiations still haven't come to a conclusion. So when we talk about shocks to the system and, and fragility, uh, this is often an area that causes some real problems for supply chains. Close to a million tons of containerized grain goes through Montreal, and the strike will directly impact that and prevent it from being exported. So definitely something we have our eye on. Last year, the Port of Montreal exported containers of grain valued at more than $880 million. Negotiations mediated by the federal government have broken off. Pulse Canada wants Labour Minister Philomena Tassi to get the two sides back to the bargaining table. There are reports Canadian customers are already asking exporters to start making other arrangements to get their orders filled. The Maritime Employers Association is not commenting on negotiations, but says it's still confident a settle can be reached by March 20th. Update brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall as Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Viterra prices were moving up in early trading today. Canola rose 370 at 69807. Number one red spring wheat went up three dollars eight cents at two eighty three sixteen. The rest were unchanged. Durham, 312.32. Feed barley, 253.72. Flax, 838.80. Lentils, 644.50. Oats, 229.53. Yellow peas, 392.89. And feed wheat, 238.84. The Minneapolis spring wheat May futures are up 11 cents at 644.5 cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of March 2nd. The market on butcher cattle has picked up a couple cents. D1 and D2 cows sold from 83 cents to 91 cents. D3 cows sold from $0.70 cents to $0.80. Cents. Counter cows sold from $0.60 cents to $0.70. Cents. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.05 to $1.25. We had a pre-sorted calf sale here on Monday for 50 to 500-pound steers, averaged $2.37 and sold up to $2.49. 500 to 550-pound steers averaged $2.35 and sold up to $2.44. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged two dollars at 26 cents and sold up to two dollars at 35 cents. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged two dollars at 11 cents and sold up to two dollars at 25 cents. 
650 to 700 pound steers averaged $2.04 and sold up to $2.15. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $1.86 and sold up to $2.03. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $1.76 and sold up to $1.86. And steers over 900 pounds averaged $1.60 and sold up to $1.70. Heifers were 20 to 25 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a group of 500-pound grasser steers at $2.44 a pound, a group of 550-pound black steers at $2.36 a pound, a load of 600-pound black steers at $2.25 a pound, a load of 650-pound black steers at $2.13 a pound, a group of 700-pound tan steers at $2.03 a pound, a load of 800-pound exotic steers at $1.84 a pound, and a load of 900-pound exotic steers at $1.70 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets the cattle and the prices too. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices ever moving upward, 186.03 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. Federated Cooperatives Limited is ready to adapt to the transitions in the energy sector. That from CEO Scott Banda as he reviewed the financials for 2020, which included a pandemic and the five-month labor dispute at the refinery in Regina. He says FCL had strong results in its food, home and building and agriculture business lines. But the energy markets collapsed, which led to revenues going down 13.5% to $7.9 billion. Banda says the refinery lockdown didn't affect their bottom line financially, but the result is that they now have a collective agreement, which includes employees also contributing to their pension plan as opposed to being all employer driven. He explains that FCL needed to become more competitive in the marketplace, and that was part of the solution. Banda says the energy industry is changing, and the company wants to look at new technologies and energy options. Banda suggests energy transformation will occur over time. He says the challenge is sustaining a traditional refinery while following new regulations and building on new investments, which he expects will be in the billions of dollars. On the markets, gains in the energy and metals and mining sectors helped Canada's main stock index gain ground in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets fell. The TSX Composite Index was up 20 points at 18,319. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 136 points at 13,452. The Canadian dollar traded at 79.22 cents U.S. compared with 78.98 cents Monday. The April crude oil contract was unchanged at $60.64 per barrel. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.